Good morning. Welcome to Elmira Baptist Church Sunday School. Uh, we've been studying Colossians. Uh, this is August 21st, 2022. And we're on part two of Paul's prayer of petition, the second prayer in the introduction. How many of you, Rick, can you close those doors? And how many of you have a, everybody have a handout? Everybody's got a handout? You really need a handout to do this. And if you're at home and uh, one up here, Rick, and if you're at home and want the handout, like to receive it by email, uh, give a call to the church office and Cindy will send one out. Yeah, I'll take the two things. So it's a great handout this, this week. Great handout. And it's front to back. So page two is on the back of page one. Cindy would be happy to send you one if you're at home. And I talked to a couple of people this week uh, that were at home uh, listening to the uh, service and um, we're glad for those that watch via live stream and that uh, pray that this is an encouragement to you uh, as we go through Colossians. <clears throat> so this is part two of the section verses 9 through 14 that's Paul's, the first prayer that he prayed was a prayer of thanksgiving for the Colossians, and this is a prayer of petition. We have a lot to say, and I'm not sure where to break, but when we get to that time, we'll stop. Um, and if, if it goes smoothly, we'll, we'll go all the way through. So we'll just kind of see what, where the Lord leads us. Um, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Father, we thank you for this church and what it means. Thank you for the 65th year of this church being in existence. We thank you for all those that have been saved and those that have been blessed so greatly by this church. And we pray, Father, and we recognize it's not the building, but it's the people. But this, this building that you've allowed people to put together here and the one next door that's going up, we pray your blessing upon that. Pray that many, many, many more people would be reached for Christ and encouraged to serve you. Father, we pray for the Sunday school class that it would be a blessing to you. We pray that you would help me with facility of words, that you would help me to be able to share what you would have me to share. We thank you for this book of Colossians, which talks about the preeminence and the supremacy of Christ. Pray that, Father, we would understand that in a more richer, fuller way. We pray that we'd be filled with all the knowledge uh, of your will and wisdom and understanding, and that you would help us to walk worthily of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we welcome Betty back. We're so glad you're back. I know they said that in the, in the, uh, the uh, assembly, but we're really happy you're back. You were missed, I'm telling you. We kept looking at that spot where you usually sit. I hope she's doing okay. You were really missed. And we're glad you're back. Um, so if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 1, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 14. And, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, and if you'll follow along. So I'd like you to stay here. You're welcome to turn to other passages, but I'd like to keep your thumb or a placeholder in here so we can come back, because we're going to refer to the verses as we go through them. <clears throat> Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14, with emphasis on 9 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, Timotheus or Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ we give thanks to God this is the first prayer of thanksgiving we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is common to you as it is in all the world, and bring forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, 
and knew the grace of God in truth, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. This is what we're looking at today, continuing to look at. For this cause we also, verse 9, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the powers of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Um, I like to read that to get that give you that flow and you can see how the introduction flows into the prayer of thanksgiving and the prayer of thanksgiving for their love goes into a prayer of asking God for help for them to grow in grace prayer petition we're calling it now the prayer we just read uh, after that verses 3 through 8 that the prayer of thanksgiving for the, for the saints at Colossae he this is from your the first diamond in review on page one in your the prayer under the prayer after after that first prayer of thanksgiving Paul prays a detailed comprehensive and intensive prayer petition verses 9 through 14 that have two major requests for the Colossians <coughs> excuse me the reason for, I'll, I'll mention those two in just a minute. The reason for Paul's prayer, for this cause, Paul writes, Paul, uh, this is the reason for his prayer. Paul learned from Epaphras, the one who started the church, probably one at Hierapolis and Laodicea. He learned of their salvation and their faith and their love and hope in Christ. And in verses three through eight, Paul thanked God for them now in response he prays for their further development and maturing in Christ now number two we also he says for this verse 9 for this cause we also since the day we heard it Paul heard of their love of the spirit along with their faith and hope and that motivated Paul in his response in the form of a prayer of petition for them asking God he recognized and thanked God for that, for that love, hope, and um, and uh, the uh, faith, and he asked that God continue to mature them and that they grow even more. And here is the, the content of the prayer: the two things that were mentioned, the two very closely related spiritual things. He prays that they may be filled. We often overlook that word fill <coughs> with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's verse 9. Be filled with the knowledge of his, God's will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that they might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Verse 10, the first part of 10a. And that worthy walk is evidenced by four things and I put them under the content of the prayer item number two the fruitfulness in every good work 10b increasing in the knowledge of God 10, 10c and then verse 11 strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long suffering with joyfulness and giving thanks to God to the Father for the benefits and blessings for their redemption. So first, uh, let's look at the knowledge of his will and, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we, we discussed that, but this is good to review. Paul's entire prayer is really centered on this request. 
this is this is the request. The second one is kind of corollary why he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Uh, and to fill uh, under A there, under on the right at the bottom of page one, to fill is to fill to the full and to be filled, to make be made full. It's used of persons, believers receiving and reaching the maximum capacity um, with immaterial things like knowledge. And then filled with suggests that, uh, Curtis Vaughn said this, filled with suggests that knowledge of the divine will is to pervade. That means to saturate our entire being, thoughts, affections, purposes, and plans. Nothing short of the total of what God, God can and will give his people satisfied Paul's inspired desire for them, his prayer request for them. And I like that quote. I think that showed. Now let's go to the top of page two. The word fill is the verb form of fullness. Paul uses this word all the time because he took a word that's used by, uh, was used by the Gnostics, and he turned it into a word that had a spiritual meaning. And that word is pleroma, for those of you who want to know. It's P-L-E-R-O-M-A. And the Gnostics were used that all the time. They said the fullness was the area between God and man, and that area was, uh, in that area existed shadowy creatures, angels, Christ was one of those, but it was not the way to God. He was a way, maybe. And you had to have a special knowledge to be able to be able to relate to one of those shadowy creatures. Well, Paul's use of this word fullness, uh, he used it in a way to refute the heresy that said that Epaphras had not presented the fullness of blessing and truth in the gospel. Paul describes the true fullness, which is accessed by faith in Christ. In fact, he said Christ is the fullness of the gospel. Now, uh, B here, top of page two, knowledge of God's will. I really like this quote. Knowledge of God's will is the foundation of all Christian character and conduct. God's, the knowledge of God's will is the foundation of all Christian character and conduct. If we don't know what God wants us to do and what he wants us to be, then we can't have character because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. The knowledge is from the Greek compound Greek word that means epi, it was from epi and gnosis. And gnosis means knowledge and epi means full or complete. Um, so that means full knowledge, grasping and penetrating knowledge, thorough knowledge, deep and accurate comprehension, complete knowledge, clear and deeper knowledge. That word, the, the prefix epi actually creates a, a strong and intensive sense to the word knowledge. J. Vernon McGee says super knowledge, and I always remember that word I see this. So, in Christ, we have real knowledge. Again, this is a word that the Gnostics used. It said you had to have a special secretive knowledge to be able to understand how to approach God and have reconciliation with God. And Paul said, you already have that knowledge. You have super knowledge. You have, the, you have the epinosis. J.B. Lightfoot said, uh, the, the textual scholar said, the Greek scholar said, epinosis is used especially of the knowledge of God and of Christ being the perfection of knowledge. And then MacArthur said uh, this, knowledge of his will is what he's talking about, is not just an inner impression or feeling, but a deep and thorough knowledge of the will of God that is finally and completely revealed in the word of God. And the reason I emphasize finally is because we know the word of God is God's final revelation to us. There is no more. This is all we have and need. And so it's where do we find the knowledge of his will? It's in the word of God. Colossians 3.16 tells us, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and 
admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And Ephesians 5.17 tells us, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Uh, a lack of knowledge, the last bullet there under B, top of page 2. A lack of knowledge leads to instability, vulnerability, chaos, failure, apostasy. Ephesians 4, 13 and 14. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. A lack of knowledge of the will of God will lead you into chaos. Now, I thought about, we're living in a time where most Christians couldn't tell you the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some of them couldn't even tell you the last book of the New Testament, much less the last book of the Old Testament. We're living in a time where people, people go by experience rather than by the word of God. And as a result, they're cast to and fro. We see it all the time. We see people, uh, you know, those of us who know the Word of God struggle enough. Can you imagine not knowing the Word of God and the trial comes upon you and you you listen to false, you go to, you go to Ethan Orthodoxy or you go to some other kind of uh, mysticism for answers. And we have, we know that the truth comes from God's word. Wisdom and spiritual understanding, item C, middle of page two. Spiritual modifies both wisdom and understanding. So it literally reads spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. MacArthur says wisdom is the ability to accumulate and organize principles from the scripture. And understanding is the application of those principles to daily living. Now, I, I really like that. Um, you know, I, I, when, I, when I was looking at this this morning, I just said, oh, for wisdom and understanding in our difficult days. May God grant us wisdom and understanding. But you know, he's already given all of that to us. We just have to take hold of that. And it's a learning process, but he's, the Spirit has already made that available to us. We just have to seek it out. Now, the use of the two words together, spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding, that provides a bigger impact when the two are used together. And it, it, it kind of describes the essential nature of these spiritual qualities of wisdom and understanding. And that's how we attain spiritual knowledge from God's Word. Okay, now part two of this, the second command, and I like how this is organized. Some people think that every one of those things that are mentioned in 9 through 13 are all separate uh, desires of Paul for them, and it is, but I think that there are two major requests that we are filled with the knowledge of, uh, of the... Um, of the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and understanding and also that we should walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing. I think there are two major commands. I, I would just, I really like that verse uh, Colossians 3.16 brother Scotty because you know um, it really shows you that uh, a, spirit, a spirit filled person you know that's, I think that's what he's referring to in verse 16. And um, I think you know it's proof that you know the Christian life is not static or emotional, but actually you know is a life that is controlled by uh, obedience to the truth of God's word. So that's what the Christian life is, and and I like that. I like that very much because you know it shows you. No, it's not about emotions or. I had a. I finished with this. My 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 cousin. I you know he would tell me because I I would witness him. Well, I went to the Jehovah's Witness. I didn't feel anything. I went to the Mormon church, I didn't feel anything. And then I went to uh, your church, I didn't feel anything either. So he was looking for a, an emotion, but this is very clear. It's not about, you know, emotion or, you know, 
ecstasies or anything like that is about life controlled by God for it. You know, what you just said, I think you said is a daily living, you know, uh, in, in you. So that's, that's awesome. Our emotions are unreliable, oh, yeah. but the Word of God is reliable, and we can trust it with our souls. Yeah. The quote I did uh, one week about venturing out on uh, God's through faith in, 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 the, in life and venturing out, trusting in God and His provision and His promises. But, you know, my emotions are unreliable. One day I'll read something and, I, and I'll, you know, I'll have a reaction, and another day I'll read something and I'll what is this? So our emotions are unreliable, but the truth of God is reliable, and we can live, we can, we can, we can trust our lives to it, which is what we're doing. So we're to walk. Thank you for sharing, Guillermo. I'm just saying that Colossians 3:16 is a good verse and reflects uh, important truths to summarize. Uh, the second one on page two, the second command is. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Uh, this is verse 10a. And Paul's second request, his second petition, uh, is that the Colossians might walk worthy. And this, this request is directly related to the first request. Knowing God's will results, and again, that's mine. Knowing God's will results in a worthy walk. Being filled with the knowledge of God's will is intended to cause us to live a life that's pleasing to God. It's not for the purpose of just knowing. It's for a purpose of our fulfilling, serving, and living God's will. The end of, Lightfoot says, the end of all knowledge, or the purpose of all knowledge, the Apostle Paul would say is conduct. So there's a balance here. You have belief and then you have behavior. You have creed or conduct and several other words that describe that. And in fact, you can actually take these two requests, the, the fact that he wants them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and he wants them to walk worthy of God to all pleasing you could divide the book into that. First two chapters are about doctrine. The last two chapters are about uh, behavior. Okay, to walk. Walk means to live or conduct your life. And we, we hear that walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. Uh, it's usually connected with how you live. And the last item on page two, uh, item B, walk worthy or worthily of the Lord is to conduct our lives in a manner consistent with our union with Christ and his will and purpose for us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 To wit, that Christ was in God, Paul writes, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and hath committed unto us, believers, the word of reconciliation. That's the word of salvation. And Verse 20, now we who have that ministry of reconciliation are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God. So in this example, Paul talks about being ambassadors for Christ. Walking worthy is being an ambassador for Christ. Now, have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, I thought you were a Christian. Did, why, do you, what, why did you do that? Isn't that amazing? The Lord, the Lord kind of rebukes you, you know. And it, I've had that said to me. I'm sorry, I'm ashamed to say. I thought you were a Christian, you know. I usually can out talk that, but, but usually it makes me very. It humbles me. Yes. What is a good definition of a carnal Christian or a Christian that's carnal? What would you say that? Uh, well, what I hear is a, someone who's living in the flesh, someone who is not following Christ, somebody who's not working worthy, walking worthy uh, under all pleasing, someone that has not, does not know the knowledge of God's will for them or who is ignoring that will and walking in, in a way which is displeasing to God. That'd be the general definition that I can look for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Guillermo asked for the definition of uh, carnal Christian. Um, 
a man named uh, Olaf Norley, who I don't know, I'll let, I'll let, he says, we should be walking in a way that our lives are a credit to the Lord. People should, we should be walking and living in a way where people say, what, what have you got? What, 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 I want, I want what you have. And uh, this is a point, a quote by me, the last sentence. Worthiness means godliness as reflected in and by our character, our conduct, and our consecration. That means piety or devotion to God, to the Lord. Okay, turn to the top of page three. Unto all pleasing. Now we just skip right over that. Because we say, oh yeah, okay, unto all pleasing. I got that. Well, it describes how we're to live worthily of the Lord. We're to live in a manner that pleases God fully in every way, in a manner consistent with the knowledge of his will as revealed in scripture. Um, now, this 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 um, here, we're looking at the Bible. The Bible is our theme. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12. And it is. And it, it contains everything we need to live and know the God's will for us. That we might walk worthy unto him unto all pleasing. Um, now, I didn't realize this, but this is the only use of this in the New Testament of this word. And it means preferring others' will before our own. I'm reading from the note on page, top of page three. The word was used of a servant who wanted to please his master, and it indicates that we should live with an attitude that anticipates what would please the Lord and do it immediately under every anticipation of his will, quote by HCGO. Now, I used to work for a, a lady, and I knew what she was going to do before she did it, so to speak. And so I would have whatever I knew she was going to ask for already, already. And she'd say, well, we need this. Here it is. Okay, later on. We need this. Here it is. We need to do this. I've already called. It's okay. People love that. The Lord loves that when we anticipate. We know what he wants us to do. Why don't we just do it? And then when he calls us to do it, we're done. But it honors the Lord. That's the imagery there of unto, unto, unto all pleasing. We need to, we, we are to please the Lord who has redeemed us out of the slave market of sin and, and really responsible for our Lord Jesus Christ, for our salvation. First uh, Thessalonians 2.4 uh, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians, not as pleasing men, but pleasing God, which trieth our hearts. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8, I'm just going to read um, 1 through 4. Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how you ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know, I capitalize that in here. For you know, that's understanding, that's the mind. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Then he goes on and follows on that topic. Commandments in the scripture equal God's will. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. Commandments help us to have the knowledge uh, of, of God's will. And his will is our sanctification, looking at it in general. That is our being set apart for God's use and being holy. Okay. Uh, walk, number D, walk of the Lord into all pleasing. So we're going through that second command. And this is verse 10a. This is the walk of walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That 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 not command, but that desire that the Lord has for us that Paul is praying that we would do. Uh, 
and that request, this petition, is further described and defined by four phrases. See right under that, fruitfulness in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, and then giving thanks to the Father for the benefits and blessings of our redemption. So, our, our worthy walk is defined and described by these four phrases. Now, for those grammar people, uh, I'm not a great grammar person, but I, I'm pretty good in English. This, this, these are action verbs, and they're called participles because they participate in the action of the verb. So we're to walk worthy. How are we to walk? Well, we're to walk with fruitfulness. We're to walk increasing in the knowledge of God. We're to walk strengthened. We're walk, to walk giving thanks. Most of the time, participles, and I looked this up, most of the time they modify the verb. In this, this case, they modify the verb to walk. And a participle is simply a verb that's used as an adjective uh, with an either ing or ed at the end. And they help describe the action. So Paul is saying, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of Filled with the knowledge of his will um, and, to, to, uh, and also that you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing and how are we to walk? We're to walk with fruitfulness not fruitlessness but fruitfulness increasing and the reason there's no ing is because in fruitfulness is because that literally is bearing fruit in every good work so we're going to look at those four so this is what Paul knows is God's will for the Colossians, and he's praying that the Lord would enable them to do, to do that. First one is fruitfulness, not fruitlessness. Uh, verse 10b, we're to walk worthy, pleasing the Lord, and bearing fruit in every good work. And the verb here, it's in a present tense, so that it, it indicates continual fruit bearing, not do four fruits and stop. It's continual fruit bearing. Um, the third bullet there the fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit and includes worship, service for others uh, the development of Christian virtues such as meekness, self-control long-suffering, etc. Ephesians 2.8.9 says for with grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, so works are not this <coughs> works do not create our salvation. Good works do not result in our salvation. We're saved, and works result from our salvation. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And then while we're reading scripture, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that's the last bullet there. Fruit is the evidence of a right relationship with God, but we are not saved by the fruit of good works. Spurgeon has said, fruitful in every good work. Here's room and range enough in every good work. Have you the ability to preach the gospel? Preach it. Does a little child need comforting? Comfort it. Can you stand up and vindicate a glorious truth before thousands? Do it. Does a poor saint need a bit of dinner from your table? Send it to him. Let the works of, of obedience, testimony, zeal, charity, piety, and philanthropy all be found in your life. Do not select big things as your special line but glorify God also in the littles fruitful in every good work Spurgeon so eloquent all right increase okay so I, I get it you know this is really 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 good but um, you mentioned a number of things from Spurgeon his illustration 
everything about wives. <laughs> My wife thinks it's because I'm thinking, okay. Okay, I just I just want the record to show you're speaking for yourself. <laughs> My wife is not involved in this. Go ahead. No, no, because um, I think I think there's a difference when you know when you're uh, uh, like a like a missionary, like someone who is you know out there and, and they're completely twenty four seven serving God. And some of us, I work from home, so there's not a lot of people, you know, I can call people, but I, I think about my home life and, you know, my wife, my son, and sometimes, yeah, you forget that uh, some of this is totally preferred, in my case, how do I treat my wife, what do I do for her, how do I listen to her, you know, help her to grow, and also anybody else, because, uh, right, we're, we have, Unless you're out there, you know, interacting with other people, maybe, you know, then it's, it's some of these things. Because you scratch your head and say, how do I do this work? I mean, how do I become fruitful? So, I don't know, anything there about wives? Well, I, I, I want to clarify one thing. You know, the difference the difference between, your your mother's talking about how, how to be fruitful and encourage his wife. When you're not when you're not a pastor, when you're not a missionary, when you're not, you know, serving in a you know what I mean? In a place like that. When you, you don't you know what I mean? But every one of us is leading someone. <laughs> yeah. And also if you're in quote and I have, have a highly respect for those that are pastors and missionaries, but everyone is in full time service for the Lord. Yes. Now I have I have a Bible says that the man of God is worthy and those that serve him are worthy of a double honor and, and I, I do that but I think it's important that we recognize that each one of us is in full-time service for the Lord and wherever he put us we are to be fruitful and I think when we are fruitful in many cases that encourages our spouses to be fruitful certainly the way the order is set up in scriptures we lead our families but very often the wives lead the children we lead the wives and then we lead friends and others each one of us is a leader whether we want to be or not by actions by actions by actions by actions yes yes too and actions are and also developing Christian character I've really not thought of that as being fruitful but um Upon great reflection, I put that in there. It says, development of Christian virtues such as meekness, self-control, long-suffering in our lives. It's, 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 for me, it's striking when I come across someone that I know is in a bind, and yet they're displaying godliness. They're not retaliating. They're not vengeful. They're not whining. Not that that's a fault of mine. <laughs> but... You know, bearing fruit is enabled by the Holy Spirit, and there's indication here that the more we know of what God's will is us for us, and the more we recognize His commands because we're in the Word of God, the greater opportunity and likelihood and and desire that the Holy Spirit will enable us to a greater degree to be faithful to that calling we have to imitate Christ. We are to be imitators of Christ. We're to imitate his character. We're to imitate his actions. And we did that in the Sunday school class. And that, you know, uh, coins have an image stamped on them. And that image, you can tell who that coin belongs to. Christ's image should be stamped on us so that we are following. They know people know we're following him. But we could talk a long time about um, development of, of, um, of uh, uh, fruit but we know we're to be fruitful and I know the Lord is faithful to use us when we're ready to be used yeah. a lot of times we just ignore the opportunity to be fruitful <laughs> because it's not convenient or yeah. uh, other easy for us so I, uh, I don't know does that kind of answer yeah thank you very okay. much Hard question. Um, I, I, I would share this with you. I went to a church where a gentleman that was real active in the church, his wife 
was a powerful executive at a banking company and uh, she was lost and uh, he was zealous for her salvation and I think by his own indication he preached to her relentlessly you need Christ you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and then finally for some some either through a sermon or through the Holy Spirit uh, directly uh, he came to the conclusion that he just needed to be a Christian because she already knew how to become a Christian he just needed to model Christianity in front of her and to her and he got up and he said that in church and I'm telling you it wasn't I don't remember the time accurately but it seems like about less than a year somewhere between six months and a year that woman let me parenthetically tell you about this woman. <laughs> this is a true story. She came to a banquet that the little church had. And I walked up to her to just say hello and introduce myself. And as I came up to her, she looked up at me. And she had the meanest scowl I had ever, ever seen on her face. And I stepped backwards because it was scary. It reminded me of some of those inspectors who used to come to help us. You know, she was she was a force, and you could see it in her face. So I understand the context with which he meant that. And you know that that lady came to know Christ because that guy modeled Christian love and Christian virtue and Christian fruit in his marriage. And he went overboard. He did extra. And God really blessed that. And, and it was really, I'll never forget that story. It's been powerful to me. Sometimes if I'm tempted to, to act in a manner inconsistent with, with Christian principles in an area, I think, well, I'm not modeling Christianity. I'm not, I'm not an ambassador for Christ, am I? So, so good, great question. Thank you. Increasing in the knowledge of God, page three. Uh, this is uh, the second item that Paul is wanting um, the Colossians and praying that they'll walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing by not only faithfulness, but increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I find it interesting that he's already prayed that they be, uh, that they be aware of the knowledge be filled with the knowledge of his will and now he's praying that they increase in the knowledge of God 11 10c verse 10c so at the same time we're to be bearing fruit we're to walk worthily pleasing the Lord by increasing the knowledge of God so how do we do that Guillermo how do we increase in the knowledge of God well main thing to me I think is to spend the time in God's word mm -hmm. right it, it said going back to uh, Colossians yes that's it yeah. and why don't we do that right um, I mean you know I go Scotty yeah why, why aren't you reading why aren't you reading the Bible you know what's wrong with you you know because well number one the world the flesh and the devil don't want us to because right. the Lord the Lord they know that we get in get into God's word and will our minds and hearts will get in the Holy Spirit can work in and through us. Well, well Scotty, uh, is it the reason because when we go to God's Word, we are doing it just because, okay, I'm supposed to? I mean, and you think it's maybe sometimes it's the approach, um, maybe not knowing how to study God's Word? I know, you know what I mean? Because I, I can read it, there's a lot of people that have that knowledge. But they don't have any relationship with the Lord, with God, right? So for us, I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think about and I know it's, it's always good because I listen, I'm listening to Isaiah Jeremiah, and it's awesome. You know, I mean, it does something, but uh, um, I don't know if it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's the approach or... You want my honest opinion? Please. I don't know if I should be honest, but I, I truly think, surely, surely there's always room to grow in the ability to study, to comprehend, and to, um, and pastors helped us with that many times in his messages. You know, this is the way we look at a passage. This is how we understand it. And there's one 
true meaning and many applications. So that's important. But when it says, by grace you're saved through faith, that, you know, a lot of scripture is really simple. If you love me, you will obey me. So I think it's because, to be brutally honest, we don't want to. We want to do what we want to do. And, and, and Lord, I, I, you're important, but I, I got to do this thing over here. So I had something to do yesterday, and I had a choice between going through this Sunday school or going and running an errand. Right. And I said, well, no, Lord, I can do your thing a little bit later because, you know, this is going to close and I need to be here to get this thing. And, and, and I'm going to take care of your thing. Now, I'm not neglecting you. I mean, I'm going through this in my break, you know. Right. And I, but you know what? I did the other thing. And I'm sorry because I should have done this thing. Then this this would have been smoother. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know. So just a small illustration. We do what we want to do. And that's why behavior is so important. I've heard said that if you want to see somebody's theology, look at their life. Yeah. And even pull out their checkbook and look at their checkbook and you'll see what their real theology is. What, what you believe is reflected in your behavior, in other words, how you act. And we are to be bearing fruit. And we are to be increasing in the knowledge of God. I've been a Christian for 69 years. I should have a doctorate by now. <laughs> so, well, I guess you better study more. Uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. World of flesh and the devil. Well, I've been busy. I'm in the military, Lord. Yeah, but you're in my army too. Right. So, anyway, I don't. I think. I think we do what we want to do because we want to do it. And the whole thing is, Paul is praying for them. I want you to. Be filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will, not Scotty's will, under, and so that uh, so that you can walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing. He wants me to be ready and to please Him, and to be like that servant who is anticipating uh, his master's every need and what he what the master wants him to do. Um, so look at uh, bullet number two under increasing. The verb here is in the present tense, meaning we should be increasing in the knowledge of God continually. Again, uh, A.T. Robertson said, the knowledge of God is not an end in of itself. So just knowing to know. But it's the knowledge of God is a means to the growth of likeness in God. We want to know what God wants us to do so that we can do it and be like him. We can be imitators of God. Um, and I really love this quote. Uh, it's the fourth bullet, bottom of page three. What rain and sunshine are to the nurture of plants, the knowledge of God is to the growth and maturing of spiritual life. Um, rain and sunshine. We know we have to have that. We don't have the rain in Cal. We get sunshine. We don't get any water. When we don't have that, that plant withers up. But the knowledge of God is like that rain and sunshine for the growth of our spiritual lives. Um, one of the things besides uh, reading God's word is good fellowship. Yes. I find out that just like your comments have help sharpen this lesson and, and really focus on a couple of really important subjects uh, when we are together there's an accountability God designed us to be together in the body of Christ Not we as Americans like to think we're all John Wayne well, I, got, I, got this. I got it I got this you know and you don't got it you know we got it that's the thing and then finishing up and we'll stop here the knowledge of God is the means by which a Christian grows. In many verses, I thought of Psalm 119, 30. Uh, the entrance of thy words, that's God's word, gives light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Even the simple can understand God's word, the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. We should be growing continually. 
God's will is for us to grow continually. And that's the second part of walking unto all pleasing. And we'll finish this next week. Final questions. Gil Yarmouth. <laughs> I'm teasing you. No, no, this is good. Thank you. No, much. I appreciate the question. You brought out some things that I wanted to bring. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Betty, sorry. Um, un, uh, let's see, unfruitfulness. And uh, the last bullet there, uh, he gave a quote by Spurgeon. Is that from a book or? Uh, where, where now? Uh, um, Fruitfulness? Yes. Fruit is the evidence of right relationship for which? Right. Uh -huh. um, you, you read a Spurgeon quote. Is that from I think I, I, I did the quotes in italics and put the name by. Um, I think I read some of those principles and, and just adapted it, but I didn't quote, quote it. Uh, okay. and, 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 and we know that from Scripture uh, that if a person is following God, you can't have Christianity without fruit. Yes. A saved person who's following the Holy Spirit is going to be fruitful. Uh, James says that. One of the first books Pastor preached when he came here was James. When he preached on patience, it scared me to death. Yeah. <laughs> scared you. <laughs> so uh, I think I think uh, I, I didn't that's not a quote. But did you read a quote from Spurgeon from your notes? Yeah, I did. Uh, I read uh, Fruitful in Every Good Work. Uh, he just says to do it. But did you say if that was from a book? That's a question. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. No, that, that quote I gave, uh -huh. uh, I got that from a uh, another individual that quoted him. Okay. So I don't have a reference. Very often, you could go and find all of Spurgeon's works uh, from his preaching, and they actually get the sermon and the date that he preached it, and the whole sermon is there. So you get the whole context, which is nice. Uh, there are websites that have that information, and some of them are great. They're pretty, pretty eloquent, much more eloquent than my southern drawl. <laughs> so, other, other questions? Thank you for that clarification. Okay, let's pray and ask the Lord to Give us a good Sunday. Father, thank you for this time we had together discussing your word. And I thank you, Father, for these questions that have helped sharpen the focus of what um, you would have us hear this morning. I pray, Father, that each one of us would be attuned to filling ourselves with the knowledge of your will, that we might walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing. Pray, Father, that we would be servants that would honor you and anticipate what you would have us to do. I pray that you would help us to prepare our lives to be with you in eternity by living a life here that honors and glorifies you. Thank you, Father, for everyone that's here, each family. Pray for those that are sick at home. Pray for those families that are watching from home. Your blessing upon each one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.